You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. You're tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox, and it's the holiday season, and this week's show showcases the many local businesses in the area where you can shop local for holiday gifts. And in the studio now is uh, is the owner of Curious Bookshop and Archives Book, Ray Walsh. Welcome to the show. Hi. So first off, tell me a little bit about your store. Well, uh, it's uh, kind of an interesting, odd, and strange place. We have three floors. Um, I uh, started it when I was a student at Michigan State back in 1969, that's B.C., before computers, and uh, started selling science fiction paperbacks, and it's grown to uh, a lot more than that. We have uh, hardback books and magazines and postcards and all sorts of interesting things. And you've been in business for over 40 years in East Lansing. Yeah, scary thought. What other businesses are still around that were around when you when you opened up shop here in East Lansing? Uh, not that many. Uh, I think uh, L.S. Teco and the Student Bookshop and Beggar's Banquet is comparatively late and, of course, the MSU Union building, and not a whole lot of others. Uh, even some of the banks have moved on. So, so what do you think is, has made your business able to survive? I, I know that you know the Grand River is always changing with with the, with the shops there, and, and knowing that just a few shops down from yours is Barnes & Noble, which is closing this December. So how is it that a used bookstore here in East Lansing can survive for over 40 years in East Lansing? I'm not exactly sure. Some of it is dumb luck. Some of it is uh, perseverance. Some of it is skill. Uh, some of it is having good employees. Uh, a lot of different factors involved. Uh, being fortunate to be a, right across from a, a college uh, certainly helps. Uh, we certainly appreciate the students as customers, and we get a lot of alumni coming back saying, Wow, I remember you're still here. Cool. A little while ago, we had a, a, a man come in in a tuxedo and a woman in a, a fancy dress, and she said uh, they were celebrating their uh, 20th anniversary. Their first date was at Curious Bookshop. <laughs> and uh, they took po- photos in front of the science fiction sections. So that was kind of unusual. So how would you des- describe your clientele as it maybe you know, compares or contrasts to the clientele just a few shops down at Barnes & Noble? Well, we have readers. Uh, uh, Barnes & Noble has readers, too, but we don't have a lot of places people can sit down and study. So people coming into Curious frequently are more serious, I think. Uh, we have a, a wider selection in that we have, um, oh, 5,000 science fiction paperbacks, uh, where Barnes & Noble certainly has all the latest ones. We have a lot of the older stuff, and some of it's kind of good. We have a lot of the recent material, too. We, uh, on our second floor, we carry manga and a lot of anime material. And it's kind of a, a different place to, uh, to come to. Uh, we get uh, not only students coming in, but also um, faculty and staff and uh, uh, just readers. And how has your, has your store, would you say, evolved over the past 40 years or so? Well, uh, at one time, the second floor of our shop was all comic books. Uh, and that's changed. We still sell comic books at the shop, but not nearly as much as we used to. Uh, we were selling new comic books and used comic books and new science fiction. 
We were involved for 25 years with the Clarion Science Fiction Writers, Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Workshop. And unfortunately, they've now moved off to San Diego. So um, we have uh, a lot of older magazines, uh, things like uh, Life Magazine and Time and Rolling Stone. Um, and uh, some of them were things that we sold uh, originally, and now they're 30, 40 years old. Kind of like, wow. So I understand that um, you you have – first it was Curious Bookshop, mm-hmm. and then you had so many books that you expanded and then opened up Archives Books, which is, um, for people familiar with the area, that it's right next to uh, what is now Grand River Coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Archives Book is over there. So so it seems business has been you know great to be able well, to open up another shop. Uh, in 1976, I actually opened a shop in Grand Rapids. And uh, earlier, I had a shop in Ann Arbor in 1975. I had a, in Ann Arbor a shop for a year. And I closed that and uh, opened up in Grand Rapids. And I had a shop there for 30 years. And I sold that to one of my employees who had worked for me for 20 years. And they're still in business. So that's the Argos Bookshop. Uh, in 1986, we opened uh, the archives. And uh, uh, we expanded it a year later. And uh, unfortunately, after 20 years, uh, we had to downsize because the uh, the pizza place that was next to us went out of business, and a coffee shop um, took over, and uh, they doubled the size. So we have uh, 45,000 postcards there, about 20,000 books as well. So so you have had shops in Ann Arbor, Grand Rapids, and East Lansing, and you've mm-hmm. stayed in East Lansing. Why, why did you choose East Lansing over those other locations? Well, um, part of it was convenience. Uh, I lived in downtown East Lansing for 25 years, so when I started when I was a student. And um, I think East Lansing is a great customer base. Uh, uh, having a college town and having a ready market for customers is, uh, is something a lot of people are looking for. If you open up in a small town that you don't have a lot of readers, you're not going to stay in business. Uh, we have a website, CuriousBooks.com. We sell online. We have things on eBay. Uh, so it's a little bit different kind of uh, retail Situation. And what did you study while you were at MSU? Uh, I graduated in 1971. I got my degree in communication. And I took some classes in business at Lansing Community College and computers so I could figure out what this newfangled stuff was coming to. And um, I actually uh, taught at the uh, Clarion Workshop and the Free University at Michigan State as well. So would you have would you think that have ebooks or places like Amazon that, that sell used books online affected a store like Curious Books? Well, certainly it has. Uh, we have uh, less traffic and fewer people coming into the shop physically, but the ones that do usually find more stuff. So, uh, And uh, the latest trend, of course, is the Kindle and the Nook. Um, I don't own one, but uh, I, a lot of people do. Um, and uh, so that's certainly going to be affecting the market in the future. Uh, we used to put out catalogs on a regular basis, uh, everything from uh, science fiction and mystery and jazz catalogs, and now we just have a website, and uh, we're on Facebook. I haven't gotten to Twitter yet, but I think that's the next step, and uh, so uh, we uh, keep busy. 
And what do you think is the is the future of bookstores? As we saw earlier this summer, um, I remember talking to you on the phone as, as a phone interview here, I think in August, when we talked about borders, um, the borders liquidation, and then again, as I've mentioned earlier, Barnes & Noble closing. So what do you think is the future of bookstores, considering that your store has been able to be open for so well, long? Well, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've, we've had a good landlord, and that helps. And uh, we've had a good business climate in East Lansing. I'm a member of the Downtown Management Board, and uh, we also contribute to some of the East Lansing and Lansing Public Libraries uh, and the summer reading programs. So we give to the community as well. And uh, there's no single factor that has really uh, um, helped us survive. It's been a lot of uh, support from the community, and uh, we try to give back to it as well. Uh, the, the future of bookselling? Nobody really knows. We're, it's a struggle for survival for most bookshops. A lot of places are going out of business and just going online. We'd rather stay uh, in touch. We like dealing with people on a regular basis. It's kind of still fun. And what would you say makes Curious Books uh, a unique store? I think part of it is the eclectic mix that we have. We try to have a lot of quality things and things you can't find elsewhere. Uh, we don't have uh, a lot of things that... Uh, uh, you'll find at other bookshops. So it's part of it is quality, and part of it is price. We try to have a fair price on things, and it's, it's tough to keep uh, up with what everybody's reading. But uh, there's some authors like Terry Pratchett we can't keep in stock, or Kurt Vonnegut. So we go out of our way to find some of those types of things, and uh, we're kind of a mecca for readers uh, uh, and a destination point for a lot of people. And do you have any Christmas ideas for our listeners out there who may be wanting to shop local for this uh, Well, we certainly holiday? appreciate local business. Don't get me wrong. Uh, um, well, we have uh, lots of different things, and the, the, the prices are reasonable, uh, or at least we think so. And uh, there's, uh, it's a uh, uh, stop on by if you haven't been to it. Uh, we're 18 feet wide, and we're 100 feet deep, and then we've got three floors at Curious. And archives uh, is a little bit different, but it, uh, they've got a lot of esoteric material, a lot of pamphlets, ephemera, uh, older postcards, and some of the rare books as well, uh, some books back to the 1800s. So we have everything from uh, Bibles to uh, paranormal romance, and uh, it's, uh, it's always a challenge to find things for customers, too. Well, here in the studio is Ray Walsh. He's the owner of Curious Bookshop and Archives Books. Um, they, he has been in business here in East Lansing for over 40 years. And uh, for more information, you can go to CuriousBooks.com. Ray Walsh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. It's fun to be on the show. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we, uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh... Would you ever want to, um... <coughs> I was wondering if you, if I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Seven. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. that's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No! Don't touch me! What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. More at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. 
more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox, and we have a special Impact Exposure for you tonight. We are showcasing local businesses as it relates to the shopping in the holiday season and keeping things local. So in the studio right now, I have Linda Dufelmeyer, and she is representing a little shop from downtown East Lansing called Mackerel Sky. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Emily. So how long has this shop been around for? Uh, We opened Mackerel Sky in uh, 1990. 1990. And how would you describe the shop? Um, it's a locally owned and operated fine craft gallery. Um, we represent a huge slew of American craftspeople who make pottery and blown glass, fine woodworking. And we now carry Canadian artists and we do carry some uh, European artists and have a few products that are fair trade from Asia. And what inspired the creation of of opening up shop here in East Lansing? We lived in East Lansing. We came to school here in 1969. Uh, We um, lived two blocks from the downtown for about 25 years and um, felt that if you wanted to participate in urban revitalization that you needed to, you know, ante up and help it out. So it was an issue of revitalization for East Lansing. I think so, yeah. So what was East Lansing like? Would you say that we're revitalizing now? I mean, what was it like in the ni- in the 1990s versus now? Um, people were moving out of East Lansing, uh, you know, into the suburbs and uh, settling in um, strip malls and, the you know, the big malls were pretty bustly then. And um, shops were going away from downtown. And we felt it is, that it was important to have locally owned places there. And, and how would you describe from from then and now the difference um, that East Lansing has? I think that a lot of the success stories are the little businesses. Um, those are the people who can hang on by their fingernails. So that if you're flexible and if you have a commitment to the community, um, that's where you'll stay. Uh, the I mean, looking at Barnes & Noble, and you think of the turnaround from the big stores that have been in that area, like the Gap went out of business and Jacobson's, unfortunately, went out of business. Um, let's try to think of some other ones, some of the big record stores. Um, but the little record stores are still here, you know, like FBC, for example. And yeah, we're getting a lot of records. I think there's maybe like four in East Lansing alone. And that's, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So so Macro Sky is a gallery as well as a shop, I understand. That's correct. We have a small space w- that we dedicate t- to individual artists, and we have six different shows a year that last for two months, and we feature either an individual or a group of artists that um, focus on uh, – a theme, a topic. Um, right now, we're, we're just featuring our ceramic tiles. Um, in October and November, we featured a painter, uh, Nicolette Rose, who's a painter from Lansing, and she did oil landscapes and still lifes. And are most of your artists, um, do they come from the general area, or are they from all over the nation that you um, showcase in the gallery? Uh, in general, we focus on artists who are local, uh, but we have had some outstanding artists from from elsewhere. It just depends on what our mood is and how it falls together. 
And I understand that Mackerel Sky has been voted one of the top 100 craft galleries in the country for the past 11 years? Well, not for the past 11 years, but okay. for 11 years. For 11 years, yeah. okay. And, and what, does that, what does that award mean? Uh, it just means that we have a really good reputation amongst craft people in the country. Um, it's an award that was given uh, by an organization that um, develops craft shows, and, it, and the award is voted on by artists who do business with you. So if you are, uh, if, if they feel that you represent them well, if, they, if you pay them on time, if you uh, give back to the community, if you mentor artists, um, and if you are, you know, tried and true, they'll vote for you. So what does the word uh, mackerel sky mean? Mackerel sky is a cloud formation. Um, it uh, is high-altitude cirrus clouds that you see before or after a storm. It indicates a change in the weather. And we had had um, kind of a, an ugly divorce from another retail uh, partnership. And so we felt as though naming it mackerel sky meant that it was a... <laughs> the change in the weather after the storm. So are you an artist yourself? Uh, in the past, yes, but uh, it takes all my time to run a store. I see. So many stores in East Lansing kind of cater towards a college student clientele, but yours seems to be for a little bit of an older audience. It seemed more... Um, I guess more, I wouldn't say sophisticated because then that means college students aren't sophisticated, but, but more of an, of an older audience versus the college age crowd. Um, how would you describe your customers? The whole community, actually. I mean, that is our focus. And we have a big uh, college clientele, actually. It just depends on what you're interested in. I mean, many kids are not interested in having a ceramic coffee mug, but there are a lot of people who drink coffee, who, uh, who go to college, who want to have something beautiful to hold on to every morning. So uh, we just try to have beautiful, functional, reasonably priced uh, items for anyone who might be interested in them and try to price things accordingly. So we were just talking to Ray Walsh, um, who's the owner of Curious Books that's been around for over 40 years, and you've been in business for over 20 years. So what is your secret of, of staying in business here in East Lansing? Flexibility, rolling with the punches. Um, I see. Okay. So any, any Christmas ideas for our listeners out there? Sure. Um, we have tons of Christmas cards. We have box cards. We have wrapping paper. We have ribbon. We have kids' toys. We have lots of Christmas ornaments that are handmade by individual craftspeople um, in a lot of different materials like wood and uh, felted wool. And um, we have some one-of-a-kind orna ornaments by Jim Letourneau, who's a, originally a, a local jeweler. Um, and this year, for the first time, he made limited edition Christmas ornaments that are like little pendants that are in the uh, shapes of little cloud faces and little people, and those have been really fun to have. And then, of course, blown glass ornaments. Excellent. Well, in, in the studio is Lyndall Dufelmeyer, and she is with Mackerel Sky. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. 
It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive, but what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I am your host, Emily Fox, and this week we are bringing you a special Impact Exposure featuring local businesses here in the Lansing area as it relates to shopping during the holiday season. And on the phone we have Rick Pruce, and he is from Pruce's Pets in Old Town Lansing. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Emily. So how long has Pruce's Pets been around for? Well, as you would know it right now, I mean, at least what's been in the Lansing area, we've been around for 30 years. For 30 years. And you're, you're currently located um, right next to Old Town or in Old Town. Have you always been at that location? No. We were, moved from the suburbs to Old Town in 06. In 06, okay. Haven't looked back. It's been a beautiful experience down here in Old Town. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to ask if you, if you like that location being in Old Town. Just love it. You know, just got great neighbors. It's just a fantastic place to be. And, and what types of things do you sell? Well, uh, we are definitely known for the exotic, okay? So um, we're not we, – we, we, do, we do sell kittens, and we do sell um, supplies for dogs and cats, and that, that makes a percentage of our business. But I think what we're really known for is anything from saltwater fish to freshwater fish to reptiles, birds, exotic birds, uh, and – the knowledge and experience to kind of create that compatible relationship. You know, not everybody's a fish tank owner, but maybe they might be more interested in birds. If they're interested in birds, is that what's really for them, or is that kind of, you know, just what they fantasized about when we get into the nitty-gritty? Is that really what's going to work for them? You know, so we kind of we kind of sell the experience based on where they're at and what whether it's going to work out. We kind of fill in the blanks and see if we fit we kind of match them up. We're kind of like matchmakers. So what what made you decide to open up uh, a pet store? Well, it started uh, back when I was five years old and a small boy looking up at my mom as she was running a fish store. And uh, it was kind of fascinating then to watch her do it. It was always fascinating to kind of see the sense of community, you know, how people would clamor around and the kind of conversations and excitement that we had around these fish. And then as yeah, as years went by and our family got bigger, we actually had a full pet store that was kind of, you know, there's that movie out, uh, you know, I bought a zoo. Well, it was kind of like that for me growing up. It was kind of like my mom bought onto the idea of the pet store business, and uh, we, as in the next generation, my wife and my myself, my daughter, haven't let up. So it's just kind of a fun 
kind of exploration of life on both sides of the fence, people and pets. So how has business been for you over the past 30 years? Well, uh, business has always been somewhat on an on- incline, ongoing. Uh, we've always kind of, we started in Hazlitt uh, in 82 uh, in the uh, Lansing area. Started 2,000 square foot. Now we're at 26,000 square foot. So uh, it's, it's just been a slow climb upwards. It's been a struggle. It's been fun. Uh, it's been a challenge, but it's always been rewarding. So what, what would you say makes your story unique? Well, you know, certainly the, at first thought when you come in, it's the, you know, we've got a river with koi in it. We have a big school bus with, uh, exo- with small animals like hamsters, gerbils, chinchillas, dagoos, and just the ambiance. The store is really cool. But when you dig a little deeper, you'll find that the store is kind of filled with um, just lots of interesting animals with inst- interesting stories that go along with them as far as do they fit, are they cool, why do you have them, why do they make good pets, that type of thing. So. Uh, and, and people here, uh, we are just blessed by being next to Michigan State University. Over the 30 years, if there's one single reason why our store is the caliber that it is today, it's been the ability to kind of pull from the, the zoo and aquarium science department, the zoology department, the veterinarian, uh, pre, pre-veterinarian uh, students, and really create a bunch of staff that know a whole lot of information about everything. I see. And, and what would you say you sell the most of? Well, fish is probably 70% of our business. So not not to say that the 30% others aren't very, very important, but probably fish in general and saltwater and freshwater kind of evenly split between that. So so, so I noticed that you've, you've kind of, that recently you collaborated with Impressions 5 and had a display going on there. What are some things that you do um, to keep active in the community? Great question. Um, I'm on the... Uh, board personally and we've done a number of projects for the Harris Nature Center that's out in Okemos on Van Atta Road and we've always been really involved in schools. One thing that I'm really passionate about is reef tanks in the classroom. So if you think about a reef tank, think about anything else you can put in your living room or in the classroom that has even close to the biodiversity that you would get in a reef tank. You're going to have hermit crabs climbing, scaling the wall, you're going to have starfish on the glass and moving around. You're going to have corals, four or five different variety or types of corals. You're going to have marine fish, and you're going to have lots of little organisms called copepods and amphipods and mysis shrimps scurrying around in a classroom so that the kids can kind of explore what it would be like in a reef environment, but right there in the classroom doing all the same things that they would do in the wild, you know, algae eating, um, you know, decomposing all that stuff. And you can't do that with anything, any other environment. So that's always kept me excited, and I try to excite every class teacher that I can. We've got some reef clubs in the neighborhood, and uh, we just really love getting excited about that. We, we had a fun opportunity to work with uh, Impressions 5 Museum, and something that I've done both here and out of town, there's been a couple opportunities to set up exhibits in the in the Impressions 5, what we've got is a land area where they can put uh, Michigan frogs and other land life connected to and running into another tank that has Michigan fish wildlife. You know, so um, it's got some perch and 
bluegill and things like that. And we're just getting it started. So, but it's kind of fun to kind of do something a little bit different. We don't sell native Michigan fish, so it was a, kind of a unique opportunity to do something using unique, you know, using uh, Michigan wildlife, which was a little bit different out of the box, but we had a lot of fun with it. Well, on the phone is Rick Pruce of Pruce's Pets. Rick, thanks so much for calling in tonight and educating us on your wonderful store in Old Town Lansing. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. You bet. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids, and they were doing nothing, when suddenly... That's a personal foul, inactive activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping, and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I am your host, Emily Fox, and we have a special exposure episode this week in which we are showcasing local businesses to help you get ideas to how to shop locally for those holiday gifts. And on the phone is Stan Werben, and he is from Elderly Instruments. Welcome to the show. Hi, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. So how would you describe Elderly Instruments to someone that has never been there? Well, gosh, well, it's a music store, first and foremost, uh, primarily uh, with emphasis on guitars, and other fretted stringed instruments. And how long has it been around for? We are in our 40th year. Wow. And I, I, I understand that you've, right now you're located in Old Town Lansing. That's right. Um, you, but you haven't always been in the, at that location. That's correct. We, we actually started in, in East Lansing in what was uh, then called the 541 building. Uh, now I think it's called the Campus Town Mall, is it not? Uh, and, in fact, we were right across the, the hallway from Curious Bookshop. Oh, I see. Um, so I, I, I understand that your store may have kind of a, a more focus towards um, folk or bluegrass genre. Would that be correct to that's, say? That's probably where our greatest strength is. Um, we, we do a lot with electric instruments as well. Um, but, but we're probably best known for, for acoustic guitars, banjos, mandolins. Things like that. I ukuleles see. these days, a lot of. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So is that a new trend, people playing ukuleles? It's a relatively new trend. I'd say over the last five or ten years, there's been, there's been this kind of, uh, I don't know if this is a, a, the right term, but a quiet explosion of ukulele interest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, are you a musician yourself? I am. I, I play guitar, uh, guitar, banjo, and uh, 
and ukulele. I see. And so I've been doing a lot of interviews and stories lately regarding Michigan's music scene and the, and the music community here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when they talk about the local scene here in Michigan and in Lansing, they often will mention your store mm-hmm. um, as as kind of um, you know a place to go for for people in Michigan. People will travel to elderly, or if, if if they're a musician, maybe you know in the northern part of the state, and they come to Lansing, they have to stop by your store. Do you often get people from traveling from far places to come into your store? Actually, quite frequently. Uh, since 1975, we've been in the mail order business. Um, we we came out with our first mail order catalog in in 1975, and. Uh, the, the consequence of that is that we've been able to, to do what we do and become a lot bigger than one would expect probably in an, in an area of this size. So how do you feel about um, having your, your business in Old Town and in the community that you're surrounded with there? Oh, we love Old Town. I mean, Old Town, uh, uh, especially uh, in the last, well, the last 20 years. We've been in Old Town now since 1984, and... Um, but starting in the late 80s, early 90s, of course, there's, there was just a big revitalization of Old Town. Mm-hmm. Before that, frankly, when we when we bought our building here on, on North Washington, uh, it the the rest of the area was pretty run down, um, and uh, you know we 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 still felt comfortable moving in, but we're way happier with what's happened because because Old Town has been completely revitalized. It's just it's just a wonderful place now. So then why would you have moved from East Lansing into what, what Old Town was, which I do remember that growing up in uh-huh. the area that, that I remember when I went to preschool, which just down the road from Old Town, I said, Mom, it's so ugly down here, not even the birds sing. It was just abandoned, and it, it looked like it was cool once upon a time, but everything was just broken down. Well, that's true. Old Town was, was the original downtown Lansing. Right. I mean, the, the state capital was originally on Turner Street. Um, and, um, you know, why did we move here? Because we needed the space. Um, because we, we, we were in the mail order business, uh, our business was growing pretty well by leaps and bounds. Every year, it just got, we got busier and busier. And we eventually took, out, took over the entire basement of the 541 building in East Lansing, um, and we're still out of space. Uh, fortunately for us, everybody else moved out or went out of business uh, uh, before before we moved out, uh, and so we were able to take over all the space in the in the basement of that building. Um, and then, so then we were out of space, and we we really needed to find a building large enough uh, to accommodate what we thought would be our future needs. Uh, and we found the old uh, IOOF hall in in North Lansing on Washington. That's the IOOF as the Independent Order of Odd Fellows, which is, uh, people say, well, what's that? And, 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 and the answer is that they're sort of like the Masons, I guess. It's a, it's a service club for, for, you know, for, it's a, kind of an old-fashioned concept that, you know, the, these clubs are not thriving these days, but, uh, um, but uh, people would, it, it was a place where people would get together and, and they, it'd be sort of a social club on the one hand, but they would do things for the community on the other hand. So what would you say makes your music store unique? Well, um, we have a, first of all, we have a very large selection of, of, uh, of instruments, uh, of, of instruments within certain types, which is to say we have lots and lots and lots of acoustic guitars, we have lots and lots and lots of electric guitars, ditto on banjos, mandolins, uh, uh, fiddles, um, uh, auto harps, um, dulcimers, 
Um, but then beyond the instruments, we also carry a, a large selection of instructional materials, DVDs, uh, uh, CDs, uh, uh, instructional books, um, lots of lots of independent uh, um, independent music uh, CDs as well. Although, uh, as uh, you can understand, the you know the the, the hard copy CD, as it were, is is something that's seems to be disappearing more these days. Um, there are certainly more and more downloads, and that's a different story. But, but we still have a lot of those because they're hard to find for people. Um, um, and, and again, this is not sort of everything but top 40. I mean, not everything but top 40. I take that back. But, but a, a lot of different types of, of, uh, uh, of indie kind of music, uh, top 40. But not, that's not top 40. And, and do you also offer music lessons at your store? We do. We have uh, we have uh, eight or nine uh, lesson rooms and and a range of teachers uh, teaching all those instruments I mentioned before, from beginners to advanced. So I, I often ask people this when when I was when I talk about the local music scene. I often ask them how would they describe Michigan's music scene and the local scene. And and, and I guess I want to ask you that question. How would you describe the local music scene and as it relates to the customers that come into your store or the music scene that you may be involved with? Well, I think you know the the Michigan music scene has always been pretty vibrant. Um, uh, I think there you know there been some some very high quality musicians that have come out of this area uh and uh, uh quite a few who've just stayed in this area too i mean not everybody gets famous uh not everybody even if they don't get famous not everybody travels um uh so uh, I, you know i think as much as any place else uh, uh the the lansing area and mid michigan uh particularly uh has uh, just a wide variety of really very good musicians uh Playing all different kinds of music, and how would blues you, to bluegrass. And how would you describe the regulars that that come to your store? Uh, well, they're everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really you know it's it's everybody from young people to old people to to uh, everything to those people in between. <laughs> uh, but uh, and and they a lot of the people if you if you take a survey uh, within the store and actually this is one of the reasons we we felt we could move from East Lansing way back when. Uh, is because we actually asked everybody, uh, and, it, and it's not that different now. We asked everybody who came in and actually bought something. We said, "Where, where did, you, did you drive, or did you walk to to our store?" Because mm-hmm. we were right across the, the street from the university. We figured, well, you know, it must be ninety percent of our of our customers are from the university. Although we kind of knew better, and uh, and we found out that actually eighty percent of the people had driven. Wow! And that was in East Lansing. In the days before, they had those big parking structures, and so the parking was really an issue in East Lansing in those days. Um, and uh, and that's how we knew that we could we could move three miles down the road; it, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, but that's that's true now. Is if you come in here, especially on the weekend, uh, and and you just ask people at random, you'll find out that a, a very large portion of them are from out of town. Out of town meaning anywhere from, you know, Tokyo. To uh, Louisville, to uh, Chicago, or beyond, you know. So, do you have any Christmas gift ideas that people can find at Elderly Instruments for the holidays? Well, there's there are always. It it depends what you're looking for. If you're if you're looking to buy for a musician, we certainly have uh, tons of accessories, uh, as well as instruments, of course. Um, that uh, that you know, a lot of musicians would be very happy to have. 
as well as uh, you know the, the instructionals and DVDs and 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 things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, uh, beyond that, you know, for 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 the non-musician, there there are a lot of again a lot of CDs and DVDs, lots of you know lots of entertaining things you can buy and and just watch for yourself. Well, on the phone is uh, Stan Werben. He is the owner and founder of Elderly Instruments, which is located in Old Town um, on Washington. Is that correct? Yes, I'm on Washington. Right. Well, Stan, thank you so much for calling in tonight and thank talking you. about Elderly Instruments. Okay, have a good evening. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. You're listening to Impact Exposure. I'm out of here. Th- thanks again, man. It was good. Wait, time. you were uh, you were hitting it pretty hard tonight. Are you, are you good to drive? Heck yeah! I am amazing at driving. Yeah, man. You sure? I mean, I can call a cab, or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home. Yeah, you know? yeah. Don't worry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, hey, text me when you get back. Okay. Stop right there. This is stupid. He's drunk. Friends don't let friends drink and drive ever. A message from 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., The Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is played by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle, and only the strongest survive. Every Sunday night from 8 till 10, sit or spin, only on Impact 89 FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. Tonight, we are focusing on local businesses here in the Lansing area as it relates to holiday shopping and shopping local. So on the phone is Gail Catron. She is the manager of Kirabo, which is a fair trade shop here in East Lansing, Michigan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about your store. Kirabo opened four years ago over on... uh, Albert Street, and we've just moved now out to Grand River. We are 100% fair trade. We carry both the food, coffee, chocolate side of fair trade, and we also carry the craft side. Now, what does it mean to be fair trade? Is there often many different types of of, um, levels of fair trade or definitions of fair trade? There aren't many definitions, but we do have um, principles in fair trade. The first being that the developing world artisan who hand makes the product be respected as a human being and be paid a fair price. The second principle that we um, focus on is to be eco-friendly. None of our products can um, harm the planet in their making or design. No dyes dumped in rivers, for instance. No trees cut down. We also monitor for child labor. Those are our three main principles. We do go on and on with things like respecting cultural tradition um, and a few, you know, a few others. And, and does fair trade always relate to the developing world? 
Yes, it does. There's been just a couple domestic efforts, but um, pretty much developing countries, we, we reach out to the worst of the worst areas in the world, and we, we extend a helping hand to them. Most of our artisans live on a dollar a day, and we want to bring their beautiful talents to um, a better marketplace so that they can receive a better price. And where, where do you most of your, uh, your products come from? Oh, gosh. We have things uh, from 37 countries. Um, we have a lot from Central and South America. We have a lot from several African company, countries. We have a lot from India, jewelry, for instance, beadwork from Guatemala, um, several, like I said, 37 different countries. And how do you decide what products to sell? Well, we, you know, we are a retail store, so um, we respond to what customers want. Um, we can see trends even in the fair trade world. Um, so we attend two conferences each year to see what new product lines have come out and perhaps what new styles of old product lines have come out. So that allows us to um, keep newness coming in. It's always important to do that in any retail operation. So can you tell me a little bit about the artists who make the products that you sell at Carabo? Um, and are they individuals or are they organizations that are fair trade? Well, this summer I had the opportunity to visit our Nicaraguan pottery artisans. I um, was in the homes of five of our different pottery artisans, um, and so, yes, it's very much a hand, one person's hands-on technique. Um, I actually witnessed them using rusted bicycle spokes as their carving tools. They don't have money to buy expensive tools. Um, sometimes the individuals will become part of a very small co-op, and in a co-op that then allows them to have a voice in how things are run. And that's another neat thing about fair trade. Uh, fair trade allows opportunities to people that have not had them before, especially women. And to be part of a cooperative then, they get a voice at the end of the year of how they want their profit to be spent. Do they want to, do they want a cash payout? Do they want to build a school? Do they want to get fresh, clean water for their little village in Africa? So, um, it's certainly handmade from one individual, but often um, growing or leading into a small cooperative. So, how does fair trade, the fair trade label, affect the, the overall price of a product? The food side of fair trade is certified, and you will see a certified uh, logo on any coffee or chocolate or tea, anything that's food-oriented. Um, and certification process, um, as with anything that detailed, they have their own very organized set of rules and standards to meet. But I did hear one of our coffee groups um, from Traverse City um, mention once that in fair trade, the coffee growers are guaranteed 10% 10 cents, I'm sorry, 10 cents higher than the commodity trading price. So um, 
I'm not sure that that figure is exactly what's being used today. This was at an event we had a couple of years ago. But um, it does then, because of the certification, give those growers a better price. So are there challenges to selling all fair trade products in your shop? Uh, not, let's see, no, that's a good question, but um, I think it's the only challenges are, as with any retail, do we have the right mix? Do we have the for customers? Um, not, not necessarily it's fair trade because there is so much available now in fair trade and, and so organizations becoming part of the Fair Trade Federation. I see. And, and what, why would you say is fair trade important? So many people now are not wanting to just shop to shop. They know that they shop fair trade, that their dollars are helping in the world. They're giving back. Especially we notice that in the younger generation, they know what it is. They, they want to spend their money wisely. Um, the, even though the, the fair trade movement sort of has started with my generation and older generation, it was pretty much church or faith-based initially and, and mission team-based. So we also have that demographic very interested in fair trade people wanting to give back and wanting to help. So do you have any um, suggestions for Christmas gifts that people may be able to find in, in, your, in your store here in East Lansing? We do wonderful gift baskets. The customers can select whatever items they want, and then we, of course, wrap them with shred and cellophane and uh, fine-tune it to exactly whatever they want in their fair trade sampler basket. We have great scarves that are hand-woven. Um, jewelry, of course, is always a popular item. Um, and we have some fun things for kids, too. We have very unique hand-carved whimsical puzzle boxes and um, pencil, secret pencil boxes, just things that you would never see in the typical toy store. Great um, musical instruments, very cleverly carved uh, thumb pianos, for instance, things that children just don't get to see anywhere else. Well, on the phone is Gail Catron. She is the manager of Curabo, which is an all-fair trade store located in downtown East Lansing and their new co- re- uh, excuse me, location on Grand River Avenue. Gail, thanks so much for calling in and educating us on Curabo. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we, uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh... Would you ever want to, um... <coughs> I was wondering if you... If I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. that's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No! Don't touch me! What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Third, 
floors. Free. Studies show that three quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. Ooh. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Prime Time, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Prime Time. Now back to Impact Exposure. Host Emily Fox, and on the phone is Alice Foster Stokum, and she is with Michigania, which is a store in downtown Lansing. Welcome to the show. Hi. So, how long has the store Michigania been around for? Michigania has been in business for twenty-six years. Twenty-six years, and I noticed that downtown Lansing has made a few changes over twenty-six years. Just a couple. <laughs> so, can you talk about kind of the evolution of the shopping district? or, you know, the changes that the shopping district in downtown Lansing has made since Michigania has been there? Well, Michigania in itself has moved four times down here. Uh, We were originally in the 200 block of South Washington Square, then across the street from our present location, then on the corner, and now in our current location. Uh, The evolution of the downtown area has seen uh, businesses come and businesses go. Uh, right now, we're about the only gift shop that's down here other than the Lansing Art Gallery. Wow, and why do you think that is? Well, a lot of it is the economy. And also, uh, business people who had been successful down here uh, have simply aged to the point of retirement. Do you think that we'll ever see um, a resurgence of that downtown area become, you know, a, a Oh, I truly hope so. I mean, to me, there's nothing better than shopping in a downtown area. Uh, Silver Bells in the City is exactly the kind of enthusiasm that people can show for coming to a downtown uh, that you don't get from a mall. Right. And what do you think it would take to kind of revitalize that downtown shopping area? Oh, better parking. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I think just um, people being interested in shopping with independent merchants. And why do you think it's important to shop locally? Oh, it's important to shop locally because it's it's a domino effect. If uh, everybody shopped with, uh, say, just for a Michigan point of view, we keep our our producers or our product producers going we keep uh everyone uh just down the line and if one of them ends up going out of business it ricochets back to me and what time of the year do you would you think that michigan gets the most business oh definitely at christmas time and so just to give our listeners a little bit of background if they haven't visited the store tell me about the products that you guys sell well we carry a lot of food product. All of our food product is made, grown and made here in the state of Michigan. We carry a lot of art products as well. Uh, we have jewelry, we have ph- photography, we have uh, a line of, well, a number of lines of pottery, also uh, fiber. It's, it's uh, something that we try to keep growing in all areas. 
and, a and, lot of talented people in Michigan. And are all these products, do they have some sort of Michigan symbol on them? Like I think of like the 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 oven mitts that have the you know the shape of Michigan on them or Michigan well, cookie cutters or products a lot of things will though will simply say made in the state of Michigan I see and are all of them indeed made in Michigan or some kind of in the, in the general mid um, or Great Lakes region well I would say that um, of the food products a hundred percent of uh, the art products uh, and the books that we carry. They're all Michigan-associated. Now, there may be a few things like uh, shirts. The uh, shirts themselves may be made somewhere else, but all of the artwork that is stenciled on them is done here in the state. So what is your criteria for choosing what you sell at the store Michigania in downtown Lansing? Oh, it has to pertain to the state of Michigan. It has to uh, be done, made by someone who lives here, designed by someone who lives here, there has to be a definite contact with Michigan. So I noticed that this show is, or not the show, excuse me, the store is called Michigania. And I know that there was a, a, a debate uh, I re- recently that was saying, is it a Michiganian or is it a Michigander? Well, when I grew up, I grew up in Flint. And everyone on the eastern side of the state always referred to it as Michiganders. Everybody from the west side of the state referred to them as Michiganians. Actually, if you go back to the Civil War, the term Michigander was a slur against the Army of Michigan, mm. and therefore the, the Michigan proper. So I suppose Michiganian is uh, a happier <laughs> uh, term, but I'd say that neither one of them is wrong. Would you say that you're a proud Michiganian? I am. And And I'm also a proud Mr. Gander. And why is that? Because I grew up here. I was born here. I've seen Michigan when it was at its height. I've seen, being from Flint, I've seen uh, the downside of Michigan. But there's always kind of a hope in Michigan. I've traveled a lot. Coming back to Michigan is always coming home. Mm -hmm. And what would you say are some overlooked treasures um, that Michigan has to offer? Overlooked treasures. So, in other words, what would you really appreciate about Michigan that, that let's say, maybe the, you know, the nation, when they think about Michigan, sometimes they think about, you know, the, the you know, auto industry or something. But being a Michigander yourself and in, in um, working at a place called Michigania, what would you say are some overlooked treasures of Michigan? Oh, I think uh, for those of us who live here, we can't say that the Great Lakes are overlooked. But I was watching the Weather Channel this summer. And Stephanie Abrams referred to the fact that there were no beaches in Michigan or no beaches in the Midwest. And I thought, she's nuts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, The fact that the history of Michigan is so rich uh, from uh, the Native Americans who lived here to the fur trappers to the the British when they came in and simply, uh, you know, we have the one war in Michigan, or in the United States, that shed no blood, and that was the Toledo War. Mm-hmm. And that was the fight over that little strip of land um, in over Ohio versus the whole entire Upper Peninsula, correct? Yeah, and then we got the whole Upper Peninsula, and I'd say we won out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, with, with the products that you sell at Michigania, what would you say would be some good Christmas ideas or, or gifts that, that you sell in your store? Well... We send out a lot of gift baskets in the store. We send them all over the world. 
Uh, we always have the Michigan oven mitts that you suggested earlier, which are uh, sent. In fact, I've had back orders for them, and they just came in today, and they're flying out of here. We have Michigan wines. Uh, we have, uh, you know, just a lot that is unusual for the state of Michigan. We don't have anything on our shelves that, from another country or another state that's competing with Michigan. Everything here is Michigan. And what would you say are, are your favorite products or product that you sell at Michigania? Anything with cherries in it. Dried cherries are wonderful. I eat them by the handful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I could tell you some of my favorite wines, but I might get in trouble with some of the other vent- wine vendors. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, my thing is to get people, to, when they come in here, I tell them, you know, I'm not discouraging you from going up north, but if you don't have the time, come in here and we'll sell you the products that you would find up there. Well, on the phone is Alice Foster Stokum, and she is with Michigania, which is a store in downtown Lansing featuring many, many products um, from, from our state here in Michigan. And uh, Alice, thank you so much for calling in and joining us tonight. Thank you. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.